Okay. So, this is the Kita's Black Alliance. Um, but this is a whole new, uh, I guess like a whole new show because I want to do it separate from the Alliance show. So I wanted to call it the Resistance Book Club. So that way I can do the book reviews and comic book reviews. Okay, so in this episode, this is episode one. We are doing The Fallen Star by Claudia Gray from the High Republic. And this will be like a whole discussion, deep dive, very much spoilers. So if you haven't read the book, please do yourselves a favor and read the book. But if you don't want to read a book and you just want to hear it out, it's not a problem at all. So let's get to it. So um, in The Fallen Star, which is phase two. I do believe it is phase two. And this here follows the aftermath of the Deadly Republic Fair that happened in Velo, depicted in The Rising Storm. The Republic is recovering after the Nile caused havoc on the planet Velo, like I said, and the Jedi believe they reduced the threat of the anarchist group called the Nile. Um... So that's pretty much the synopsis in a nutshell. And within, I figured the title of the book kind of explains what is going on in the book. Um, So Fallen Star, it just, in this case, in the book, it means a specific group, which is the Republic and the Jedi, of the people who are getting put down by the now. And or by a person, and in this case, it is Mark and Roe. Um, and overall, of my opinion of the book, um, I really enjoyed the book, it was very easy, easy, easy read. All the characters, I mean, I love. One of the things that I love about the High Republic is that you, if you see some of the characters from the comic books, you will read about them in the novels. And I love the transitions going back and forth, or just really just the transition from comic book to the novels. Um, So that, that... I really do love and I do believe that with Claudia Gray she her characters her main characters are uh Affy Hallow and Leox Giassi and Geode I love them and Wreath Wreath I don't think no Wreath wasn't in this and Wreath Silas that's the other Padawan um, but yeah, Afi, Afi is the, the pilot, um, and Leox and Geo, those are her partners. Geo is, is the rock, <laughs> the big rock, but I love, I love all three of them. 
Um, but the overall book, I, I just enjoyed it. It was very easy. Paige Turner. I just, I love her. I love Claudia's, how would you say, like, getting to the climax of it. And even though you're like, Dad, like, we're really... <laughs> still on this particular part but then when you get the details of it it was it's kind of necessary to get those details of that particular situation and how it pans out later on in the book she has she has a way of doing that and also like just the crescendo of it like we get starting from the beginning and then it working its way up to that climax but it's like it's such a uh in a way, it's like a a music, you know, a musical, it, it, or like an orchestra or an opera. You know, it's working from the bottom and working its way all the way up. Um, that's what I like about her writing in this one, definitely. Um, so we start off with Avar Chris. Um, she is still on that mission <laughs> to get Lorna D., who is one of the now, but they think that she is the leader of the now. Um, so she ups and leaves Starlight to go ahead and take care of this mission. Then um, we start to go into Marky and Roe. And Marky and Roe, she... Uh, she he had um he has a new subordinate because now that Nan uh who was also in Claudia's other book, her second book, um Nan was captured along with Chancey Yarrow and she's the mother Chancey Yarrow is the mother of Sylvestri Yarrow and Chancy, Chancy and and her daughter, they're black. Uh, Nan is that. Oh man, she do anything for Markian's approval, um, so to speak, and she does a really good job at it. But she is still young, and how. The transition from her, from her always wanting the approval from Markian, and then getting into the fallen star in here, and being, being partners with Chancy, in this book, she's kind of like trying to figure herself out. I do like that, because she realizes that you know, I got to survive. Like, I have to figure out any type of way of me trying to survive this. Um, Chancy is also in that boat. Like, she's just, I need to survive. I'm a scientist. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to survive. So, Markian, he doesn't know what has gone on with Nan and, and Chancy. Uh, but he had to get new people. So, he went ahead and got three stooges I want to say that were willing to just throw their whole lives away um to uh to pretty much like get 
how would you say like uh get his mission get Markin's um mission across so then also he has another assistant which is Thaya and so Thaya's been doing everything for Markin just playing her role doing as she does and then uh the three stooges they're making their way to the starlight beacon um so that way they can set up and get this uh you know get the mission done so nancy and chancy they're held in prison on starlight and they were being interrogated by stellan geos and regal um so they Stellan realizes that they wasn't going to get much out of the both of them and so they just let them sit there so as they leave then we get into bell bell zedafar who is also a black black character and master indira stokes black um so bell he is still battling his master's death uh spoilers 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 for all the previous books um so bell is still battling with um loden that's his master loden greatstorm and he doesn't know if he really wants to be become a jedi knight only I think it's only because of the fact that he if Loden isn't there then why would he want to do that you know what I mean so he's really has grown an attachment for Loden um and it, it really has been bothering him I'm really I'm interested to see how far he would go because would he become a Jedi Knight would he leave the Jedi Order or would it consume him so much that he would turn you know turn to the dark side but I don't think that he would turn it's just more of like he just battling his emotions and trying to deal with the death of Loden. Um, Master Indira Stokes, she, you know, volunteered to be uh, Bell's master. And he's, you know, he's been doing good with her. It's just, you could tell that he's very overprotective of Indira only because he doesn't want what has happened to Loden to happen to her. Then we get Orla Jereni who is the Wayfarer, and she and Elzar is, was on Letalau in the ocean, um, trying to, you know, get Elzar to um, find his balance with the Force, to fill the Force, and, you know, he's, he's still battling because of what happened in Velo, um, and I can see that each one of them, it seems like not just the Padawans, but even the Masters are, like, it's, for some reason, has taken its toll 
on them. This whole disaster, the hyperspace disaster, the Republic Fair, um, and then soon, you know, and with the Starlight Beacon. So, and it's probably because they have never been through anything like this. So, it's more like they're just trying to find answers, but their answers are, their questions is not being answered. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it sucks because the things that you are, you know, really trying to find, you know, you just, you're like, come on, like, just give me, give me something, show me something. And, you know, it, it's, it's really tough. So I, I can understand that. Um, so then we get... So we get the the three stooges. Now they go ahead and they're planting the bombs on and the and a leveler. Cause that was I think it's the leveler. Cause the way I was reading it, I was like, oh, it's the same thing that happened to Loden. Um, so they put bombs in the middle part of the Starlight Beacon. And also a leveler. And I do believe that by this time, Bell and Indira, Orla, and Elzar, they have all made it onto Starlight Beacon. As well as Affy, Leox, and Geo. Now, when that happens, the, the three stooges they find a spot that they just gonna just sit there and just wait you know wait for the uh wait for the you know the starlight the beacon to just descend because they're they're suicide suicide bombers so they're they're just waiting they're they were they were funny I, I don't even know like what else to make of them but I just called up the three stooges like I, I just I can't think of anything else to say about them um, but yeah, so when, when the, uh, the Starlight Beacon started, you know, the bombs started going off around, so now it's becoming, now the Starlight is starting to separate, but it's also descending into the Aram's atmosphere. So then we have Queen Thandeka, who is the queen of the Aram planet. And she's trying to get the people off of the planet so that way they don't get killed from the from the beacon descending into their atmosphere. Um, so, so far, in the top layer, it's Avar. It's Avar and I forgot the other person. I think it's Nib. Nib and Avar are in the top part of the Starlight Beacon. Then in the bottom part, you have Stellan, Elzar, Orla, Bell, Bella, Ember, because Ember is, the, is Bell's dog, Buriaga, the Wookiee, um, Affy, Leos, Geo, Indira, Nan, and Chansey. Oh no, Maru is, I'm sorry, Maru is on the top part with Avar, and Regal is on the bottom part. Um, 
And so now, you know, things are starting to get crazy. Um, and they go ahead and they, the beacon starts to separate. Um, then you, you have the other part of the plot is that every one of the Jedi's are feeling like something is off with the force. So when it's, when they were feeling that, they realized that it was happening in like this one particular section of Starlight. So each one, I think Regal went first. He went and he died because of the leveler. And I think that's what it was. Like the leveler was draining them, the Jedi's, because with the Force, they feel the Force, but their emotions and everything is tied to the Force. So when they were feeling the negative emotions, they were like, "Why are we feeling like this? Like it shouldn't really be be this way." And then they went ahead and um, started to look you know they're like no it's coming you know once we get out of this particular section then you know we're fine and then so Regal went ahead and and went first and then he died from the leveler then uh, Indira went and started looking and when she found it she didn't die it almost took her and then that hurt bell because he was like oh i should have been there and all this other stuff and so he was staying with with her in the uh the medical medical unit then you get orla so orla you know is explaining to stellan and elzar like hey we really need to find out what's going on. You know, nobody doesn't know where this thing is coming from. And so they were like, no, don't do it. You know, just wait. We still got to figure this stuff out. It's, you know, the, the beacon is falling. Let's just, you know, let's just figure out how to slow the slow starlight down before it reaches the atmosphere. And she's like, yeah, but we really got to figure out what's going on because we're not connecting with the force altogether. There's something wrong. And if we're not stronger together, then how are we going to, um, how we're going to face the problem? So she goes off into the same area that Indira and Regal went. And then we lose Orla. I was really sad about that one because I I didn't want to, I thought she was so great as a wayfarer. The fact that she was able to do whatever she wanted, even as a Jedi, still as a Jedi. Um, But yeah, I I was sad about that, that death. Um, So now (laughs) they're still trying, trying to get, you know, trying to figure out how to uh, slow down the starlight into the atmosphere. Um, then in the book, I think like towards the middle of the book, then we get Senator Jira Staros. 
and marking a row. And for some reason, this is like the turn of events. So we really see that Gera Staros, Senator, what? She is, you know, with Markian. I think they're sleeping together. I think that's what it was indicating, that they were sleeping together. And the Markian don't really care about her. But it was just the whole point of, what? Like, really, Senator? It's like this chick. <sighs> I hope her daughter goes ahead and turn her in because she's just a hot mess. And then after that, so there was a scene in after you find out about Gira and Markan. Um, Gira had got up and was like walking about and then she realized like wait what's with all these droids and then next thing you know this big huge droid called car nine car well k-a-r-9 um (laughs) she's like why do you have all of these and then he's like nah they much better than the storm you know than all of my other subordinates why have humans when I could just have droids they do anything they don't show no emotion or nothing they just do it she she's a little concerned at this point because she doesn't know what he really is doing um and it seems like oh well why he hasn't told me you know told me all about it well because it's not your plan chick like I don't know what to tell you. Like, he's not going to sit there and tell you everything um, just because you're sleeping with him. So, at that point, now, uh, so the top half of the starlight is starting to really pass the bottom half of the starlight. And that's the one where Avar is in the top half. And there was nothing they could do about it because it was just descending. And at this point, um, they were they were thinking, okay, no, if we have the bottom half, there has to be like thrusters here. Let's just try to see if we can get the thrusters on so that way it could slow the descent. So, and at that same point, they really are just looking at the top half, just falling down, like, really fast into the atmosphere. Um, It does get down into the atmosphere, into the air atmosphere. Um, But... They thought that Avar... Because I think they thought that Avar would, you know, she didn't make it because of how the top half, um, the top part of the starlight had went down. But, uh, no, then everybody on the bottom half, including Belle and Berriaga, they had to figure out how to, uh, how to slow, well, and Elzar and Stella, how to get the thrusters on what can they do and by this time nan and chancy were doing the same thing because they didn't want to die 
And since uh, Chansey is good, you know, science, uh, because she's a scientist, uh, she and Nan were out, you know, trying to, um, trying to find a way to escape and also to get the thrusters to slow the descent so that way they can, you know, get off the, um, the beacon. Um, in the middle of all of that, Buriaga and Elzar, they, and Bell, so they all had to go, and I should have explained that in the beginning, so there was a whole bunch of pilots and, and whatnot, and that was where we get Afi, Leox, and Geo, and they were helping the other pilots out, pilots were helping them out, you know, they were all helping each other out to uh, fix their vessels the best way they can so when they do find that opening they could just go ahead and you know and um and ride on out out you know past the the beacon and so they found out that one of the vessels had rathars on it and they got loose so then Beriaga and Elzar they went to um went to take care of the situation and in the end Bariaga went ahead and sacrificed his life to uh for Elzar okay man that kind of hurt because I was like damn <laughs> he was just he was young Bariaga gone now I'm like Bell is really gonna go through it because Bell and Bariaga they have formed a, a really good friendship and so when he was told about Berriaga, he was like, nah, I'm not hearing that. They, He's out there. I'm pretty sure he found his way out. Okay. If he did, good luck. That's what, that's what Ozar was saying to him. Then, um, so then they found out that they can still get not only the thrusters but apparently there were escape pods that they can use so while Elzar and Stellan were taking care of the situation with the thrusters Leox, Affy, and Geo along with the new characters Pilot husband and wife Pika and Joss they went to the escape pods to fix the escape pods and try to put as much people as they can and get them out so um they were able to do that they were able to get them out bell went back to indira and he realized like oh no i can separate the medical unit from the beacon and so he went ahead and put a bomb in the beacon uh in the medical unit and let that drink bomb off and then he was able to separate the medical unit so the medical unit was safe he gets uh he took took a a pod went out went to the beacon the starlight the bottom half of the starlight and try to see if he can help save the rest of the um the rest of the people on there and then Elzar, he, uh, 
finally makes it to the thrusters. Coming up, and then he finally sees Chansey and Yarrow there. I mean, Chansey and Nan there, sorry. And he thought that they were trying to destroy the thrusters. And then, lo and behold, he goes ahead and, like, takes his lightsaber out and slices Chansey in half. And that did something to him. Uh, he did just didn't know, like, how to, how to take that. I'm like, dude, you just went ahead and killed her. Like, I don't know. What did you think was going to happen? But, I mean, all he had to do is just ask questions. And it seemed like he just went so quick for the lightsaber you know like oh kill you and ask questions later that type of thing um I don't know how I feel about that because because the way it was written it really made it seem like it was like that where he was just like kill first ask questions later but then he the feeling of what he did hurt him so much and he doesn't know why he did that so fast so sudden um we'll get back to him because I want to talk about him a little bit more and um so when that happened then Nan she was by herself (laughs) they were able to get the thrusters on but it was just by that time it was kind of like too late and Nan was able to take one of the ships that were owned by uh this other character, Coley Lynn, and his vessel was the Ace of Staves, and he was he was like a total idiot and everything. He was just trying to do whatever he can just so he could get off of Starlight and using whoever he can, didn't matter if they got killed or not. Um but he was he was killed. In between, in in the uh, middle of the boat, which I was just happy about. I was like, we don't really need him. And then, um, so then after that, she was able to able to escape. Starlight, it was going to crash, honey. It was going to crash in the Aram Coastal. And once it did crash, it crashed into the ocean. Um, by this time, then you have Elzar, Avar. He he sees Avar, Avar Chris, and they reunited. But Stellan was the only one that was left on the starlight. And then we had to say goodbye to Stellan. Because he sacrificed himself just to make sure that nobody else had got killed from the from the starlight. Um, and then we get the Markian row appearance. Oh my God. And that at the end of the book was my favorite part of the book. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh man. The, and I'm going to say this. He has been my favorite, favorite character. I love how they're writing him because we still kind of don't know the reason why he is doing it and I'm okay with that because when it does finally hit the fan of why he's doing it I'm gonna be so happy about it but the fact that this man one man crippled 
the Jedi and the Republic. With all three of these disasters. It's insane. And he's not even force sensitive. (laughs) He's not even a Sith. He's just a regular person. That's what makes a great villain. A great villain is when the person really believes in what they are doing. They are setting it out. They have made these plans and they have the end game. So, in other words, there is a beginning, a middle, and an end. Now, do I think that this man is going to die? I have a feeling that, I mean, I I really do think he is going to die. How he's going to die, I don't know. But the way that he, his character is written is beautiful. Beautiful. This is how it should be in Star Wars. Not to say that the Sith aren't as medicine, but sometimes the best villains are the ones that just don't have any powers that really have a goal and they're they're meeting that goal. And it's for a reason. You may not like the reason, but they know their reason for doing the things that they're doing and they have so much hatred that they are willing to go above and beyond to make sure that their goal is met that's a great villain so I love love Mark and Rowe I really think that the way they did this character is amazing 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 And as far as, like, the other characters, with, let's go back to Elzar. Because it wasn't just a Chansey kill. Like, he, in the previous book, which is The Rising Storm, because that was the Republic Fair in Valo, he also killed one of the now and that did something to him something doesn't seem right with him and I don't know what it is I don't know if he's like showing that he's going to the dark side I I just I don't know all I know is that it just doesn't seem right. Like he, for some reason, has like a, it's what you call like a bloodlust for wanting to kill. But then like after the kill, he's like, oh, what did I do? What do you mean? What did you do? You killed someone. But you have to know that with the lightsaber, you were going to use it to kill and even though I know that they don't like the Jedis and the Jedi the Padawans and you know Master and Apprentices they all feel like you know we only use use the lightsaber for when we really 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 need it 
in that particular instance with Ozar in the Rising Storm, he needed to do that because he was getting attacked. But the one, but this one here with Chansey, I was like, okay, this is a little different. Why did we do this? Why you just didn't just pay attention to what they were doing first? And if you felt like they were, excuse me, that they were doing something wrong. Okay, you know, go in and try to subdue them. But you didn't have to (laughs) have to kill her like that. And yeah, so I don't. (sighs) And he's like literally struggling to be one with the fords but I also wonder if that has something to do with his vision when they talked about his vision in the very first book Mm. because his very first his the first uh not first vision but his vision in the very first book he ended up seeing everybody die but um I don't know, because that would be, I don't know if that has anything to do with why he's not finding his balance or anything like that, Um, but yeah, I guess when when I read the next, when we get into the next book, we'll see, Um, we'll see how that goes, I just, I don't know, um, but I do have to say that Elzar and Avar's bond is very, very, very intense. And it's so intense that they really can't feel each other through the force. Um, and Orla, was, when they were on Let Allow, she was really trying to get Elzar to use the waves, uh, use the waves through the force to connect. And he ended up doing that to connect with Avar too. And then that's how he realized that she was, you know, still alive. Um, and then there was like one of the, one of the, um, one of the quotes that he, that Ozar said. I'm sorry if you hear that, that is my daughter. Um... Every strength has a corresponding weakness. For us, our strength in the force give us confidence in our decisions. But then we grow too accustomed to leaning on it. And I thought that was very interesting that he says that. So every strength has a corresponding weakness. Yeah, every strength do have its weakness. But I wonder, even though he was in the book, but I wonder if the strength in the force or the force is giving him the strength to make him confident in the decisions that he's made. So if he killed, so when he killed Chansey, is Is he saying, does the force is making him make that decision for him that, oh, well, I had to kill her. You know, she was putting us in danger or 
or the other way around where it's the weakness of it the weakness of well even though the force isn't giving me the confidence the force has given me has made me weak in those decisions I don't know that I would have to like really his story is is very 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 interesting and in a way it's somewhat kind of leading to the dark the darkness of it um but I don't mm, he's he's a, a questionable character for me because Avar is like the total opposite like she knows exactly who she is what she is what I what she needs to do how she needs to do it she doesn't question she is definitely one with the force everything is good nothing is negative um so in a way it's like Elzar needs Avar to balance him which is probably the reason why they have such an intense bond and the reason why Stellan was a little bit jealous or I should say all the way jealous with the fact that you know his two best friends have this bond but he doesn't really have that particular bond with the both of them um yeah so that I feel like he Elzar needs a bar to balance him but in order for him to find a balance he does need the force because Avar is one with the force how else is he gonna find this balance but Avar can't be with him everywhere like at some point he has to he has to like get it together um, or else like each kill that he does, which I still think is more of a bloodlust thing. I think like the minute that he went ahead and had and uh killed the Nile in the Rising Storm, he felt something and it took something away from him. Now, would that be the strength or the weakness however we may see that it took something away from him I don't know if that in a way it doesn't seem like it's a good thing it seemed like it was a bad thing because he didn't have Avar there in the Republic Fair when it happened but you can tell that something died within him in a negative way and he can't get that back but when he does see Avar at the end of the fallen star it seemed like he was himself again but he can't have her everywhere <laughs> like just to keep him balanced like he really has to try and be and try and be one with the force um uh, you know hmm it would be interesting 
I always say that it would be interesting. It's, it would be interesting, though, to see, like, where his um, character is going to go. Like, his storyline is going to go. Um, with... I wanted to talk about... I wanted to talk about Affy because I don't think we touched. I mean, it really wasn't too much. It's just that Affy and Leox, uh, they pretty much Angio. Let me not forget the Rock. They all had got like become very, very, very close, and this had really shown that they really are a family unit, and she needed that. Um, but Leox always treats, you know, <laughs> treats Affy as the, no, you're the boss. Like, you know, I'm just here for the ride, you know. Um, but I do love their relationship. It seemed like they have made very good friends with, um, Pika and Joss, which I think is great. So we might end up seeing them in another book. Um, so yeah, and it really wasn't much about them in this one even though they are Claudia's Claudia Gray's characters um but yeah I mean it really wasn't much I think they're more uh I would love to see them meet up with Reef and Comac again yeah I would love to see them see them get back with them again cuz there's something about them and they really have to excuse me get to finish this you know um, they or I should say they have unfinished business with Nan especially Reef has unfinished business with Nan so um oh and then Nan and Affy have fought during the um during the the falling of the of the beacon but you know with too many things going on it's like uh you're not even worth it goodbye child <laughs> which is exactly how that went um as far as bell i do want to talk about bell because it's almost like the same thing you know this whole situation where he is battling the death of Loden, his master, and then now dealing with Indira, even though they caught her before she, you know, uh, I guess almost evaporated. Uh, That took something out of Belle, too. But I think in a good way, because now with Beriaga missing, to him, he's missing. Bell really has to come to terms of this is what happens, you know, when attachment happens, we get close to someone and then we end up losing them. But we have to learn to move on. And he hasn't been able to move on. And I think that's one of the reasons why Jedis have such a hard time moving on or 
always continually asking questions about what is right and what is wrong. And I don't know if they're like, I don't know. Why are they not talking to them about that? It's very interesting. They need to. How else are you supposed to deal with the loss of a person? How else are you supposed to be able to move on? Time, you know, life moves on. We all have to deal with death, loss. And he's not handling it. But I noticed that that the whole Jedi, they don't learn that or they are not taught that. But they are taught that they're not supposed to form any type of attachment. And that's very, very like hypocritical, knowing that they are going to form an attachment with their master. If they master, you know, sits there and tells them, you know, of their wishes, they're going to abide their wishes. What do you like? Why wouldn't you teach patterns that, you know, you're or and, you know, eventually get to the masters? The masters are supposed to teach their patterns that. Um, but hold on. Um, let's just take a break for just a minute and we're going to come right back and I'm going to finish up the finish up the rest of the book. Okay, just had to take a little bit of a break. Um, so yeah, they need to establish loss. They need to teach their Padawans loss. It's not just, oh, you can't form an attachment. You can't love a person. Avar and Elsar actually do love each other because it's more of like boyfriend and girlfriend even though they have an intense bond. More like a soulmate type of thing. Um, But also at the end of the day if you don't teach teach kids that very early they're going to have a hard time trying to move on. And then they're going to end up being very overprotective, which is what he's, what Bell is doing now. And it's not, and it's not good. Like, what would happen, what's going to happen if Ember, you know, dies, the dog? Like, that may set him off. And I also feel like a lot of, the Padawans that are dealing with something very serious um, they you know it seemed like it's itching towards them leading to the dark side because they just don't know how to handle that and that can shut a person down their feelings so that way they don't have to cope with it But when you are sitting there telling the Jedi that they're not supposed to form any attachment, that's somewhat like how the Sith are. They don't form any attachments. They don't care, (laughs) you know, who is living and who is dying. You know, it's like, oh, no, every man is out for themselves. So 
why even why even teach them that I don't know that's it's like really really backwards which is probably one of the reasons you know when we see in uh in uh the book of Boba Fett and that episode with Luke teaching Grogu uh you know how to use his uh use his powers and everything with the force and he's sitting up there teaching the same thing that Yoda was teaching him we he should be teaching him something totally different but he only knows what he was taught so how can he you know shift into teaching him something teaching Grogu something different but by teaching him Grogu already have formed an, an attachment to Din Djarin. So the attachment to, D, to Din Djarin will always be there. So if God forbid if something happened to Din Djarin, you know, the fear is, is that Grogu will turn to the dark side. But if you don't break the cycle, if Luke don't break that cycle, then how is it that Grogu is going to learn? Uh, well, not really just a form of attachment, but actually use that attachment. God forbid if something was to happen to Dijon, that Grogu would be able to move on in life and be able to just celebrate Dijon's life that he, when he was there. And it'd be the same thing for Belle. Instead of Belle being so sad all the time about Loden's death, he needs to learn how to move forward in his life and be able to celebrate Loden's life when he when Loden was alive and here. As well as thinking of all the good times you know it's the same thing in real life of course we lose you know people that we love but we have to be able to move on um so yeah that I had wanted to touch on that because I think with Belle is pretty serious and so it we need to see how his storyline um comes to a fold and then that's you know uh, also a very interesting thing too with you know the TV shows the Disney Plus shows where they're doing the Acolyte and that's taking place during the High Republic as well as the you know the rumored of the John Watts you know series that's supposed to happen during the High Republic too I don't know how close that is but the Acolyte is Sith you know, it's Master and Apprentice. So are we saying that one of them or a few of them is going to be Master and Apprentice of Acolytes? That would be very interesting. Because we're starting to see these issues. 
as well as the other Padawans too. Like there is, it seems like it's happening all over in all the books. The same thing. It's they're questioning, questioning everything, and it makes you wonder, like, well, what is it that y'all are being taught? Because it just seems like y'all just being taught how to fight you know and that's it but y'all haven't really gotten into any like major disasters up until this point and having to be able to work through that and because the Padawans are trying to work through that they're looking for answers from their master and their master can't even help them because their master is dealing with the, with their own issues of dealing with dealing with the disaster and the loss of people too um sort of backwards here and it's a little weird uh but yeah very interesting with that um also too what it it was something it was a um quote and I wanted to make sure that I had that quote. Okay, so Orla, her quote, and this is how, this is about the force. She says, you see the force as an ocean, but you've fallen into the habit of believing that the ocean is something you can't control. That's the first step toward thinking of the force merely as a tool to be wielded however you wish no ocean obeys any living creature high time you remember that and that was what orla has said to elzar so in other words and it could be the same for bell too if you see the force as an ocean you're trying to control that ocean you're not trying to be come the ocean you need to be a part of the ocean that's how you control it once you are able to become that ocean you'll be able to will the force however you wish and she's right no ocean obeys any living creature. So in other words, the force doesn't obey to to y'all. You have to be able to surrender yourself to the force. If he, if neither of them surrender to the forest then how else are you going to be able to will the forest any type of way in a good way in the meta uh in the positive way to help um that's i i had liked that quote and i thought that was very 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 um on point it stuck with me throughout the book because up until that point of where elzar you know does kill chancy I was like, to me, I feel like if he was 
one with the force and if the force was the positive thing that means that he wouldn't have killed her so fast so somewhere in there the blood it's like a bloodless that's how I envision it like I just think that he has a a bloodless to it um but also too that goes to the first book the light of the jedi how avar was able to use the force and had generate all jedi and was able to subdue the whole hyperspace disaster she used it as a song not as an ocean as a song she hears it as a song as a uh not a melody, but just like a, a sound, like a particular particular ambient sound. And that is how you're supposed to wield it in a good way. Um, so having... Having that Elzar not being able to become one with the Force after you know the all the the event that happened in the Republic Fair, and when he goes ahead and sees Avar, or I should say, before he even sees Avar, he actually did become one with the Force. But I felt like it took a lot of like, you know, well, it didn't really take that that much of a strength. It just seems like he's able to do it so easily when it comes to Avar. But he's not able to to become one with the force so easily when it just in dire situations, if that makes sense. I really, yeah, because... Again, how is it that if you're able to become one with the forest when you need to get to Avar, but then you can't become one with the forest when you're in a whole big, you're about to lose your life in a disaster, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. That's, it's very interesting. Um, but yeah, I really thought that this was mainly about Elzar, even though with Stellan, um, it was about Stellan. But I also feel like it was about all three of them, which is Stellan, Avar, and Elzar. But it seems as though Elzar is the forefront of the three, where he's the one that is legit battling who he is and what he's become or what he could become in the future. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Now I have like when you start saying things out loud, you start to things start to um get like bulbs. <laughs> I always do that. Um. Let me see. There was a couple of couple of quotes in a book. 
Um, this one is from Stellan. This is what hope is. It isn't pretending that nothing will go wrong if only we try hard enough. It's looking squarely at all the obstacles in the way, knowing the limits of our own power and the possibility of failure and moving ahead anyway. That is how we must proceed with hope. And that was really towards Bell and also himself to selling himself is and Elzar is that we all need to have that hope. The hope is is we can't we can't pretend that nothing is wrong. There is something wrong. We just have to look at it, face the obstacle. Sorry. I know they you could probably hear her. Um face the obstacle and take on the obstacle. Of course there might be a failure, but if you don't take that failure and turn it and move ahead from that failure, then how else are you going to proceed to finish out the, you know, the obstacle? So the obstacle is is that we need to stop the stop the the starlight from causing more damage to Aaron. You're going to have issues. There's always going to be something wrong in between. But you got to just be able to be like, all right, well, this here isn't, this wasn't working. Let's just move on and go to the next one. And that's what he was, he was saying. And so the hope, it seemed like for a minute that Bell just, he couldn't, couldn't proceed because he's like, Oh, not, you know, what else are we going to do? We got to figure it out. And that's when he came up with the with the bombing, um, the medical unit. So that way they can separate from the starlight. And I thought that was I thought that was a good one. That was a good quote there. Um, Is there another quote? That I Oh, I have a few from Leox, because I thought this was, I thought these were good. When he was dealing with, um, Coley Lynn, which is the, he was the guy, the one I was like, uh, you know, I will use anybody just so I can get off of this, off of this beacon. Um, and his vessel was the Ace of Stave. So, he said something, he was like, each individual was was a small spark of the one great consciousness the universe beholding itself if you do something to save your own life he figured you ought to be willing to do it to save another's and that was what he was his thought process was um and that i mean you could probably see that in like different different ways um but in his way he was it was also I want to say he was trying to say in a way of I'm gonna sacrifice myself regardless um to save another and then I thought in the way he was talking about it was it was directed towards Coley Lynn where if you keep on 
trying to save yourself and not trying to save others, then eventually you're going to meet your own demise. And that was one way that I had sorted. But then in the in this way, I was thinking that, okay, if you do something to save your own life, then you ought to be willing to save it for another. So he definitely, Leox, was definitely like, okay, we really got to, if we can't figure out a way to get off it, I'm going to try to utilize all my options to get us off. And that's what he did. He went ahead and had like his own bomb. He was the one that was going to detonate it. And he was able to create this big massive hole so that way all the other vessels of the pilot, you know, with the pilots that they were able to get off um, and set free. And but he was he he came out alive after that, which I thought that was cool because Affy looked like she was going to go she was going to suffer um, a major loss. But, um, yeah, I thought that was a really good quote. So I, I feel like you can actually see it from both ways. But, you know. Yeah. And the last quote, I thought that the, his quote here was pretty good. Holding grudges against the dead is underworthy. Life is meant to be lived in the now where the dead can no longer be. I love that quote. Holding grudges against the dead is unworthy. Life is meant to be lived in the now where the dead can no longer be. Why hold a grudge? Why? (laughs) So you're going to make yourself hold this grudge forever and ever and ever when the person is no longer here. It's like you're going to make yourself sick if you keep on holding this grudge. They're no longer here. They don't care. You have to live in the now. You got to live. You know, life is meant to be lived. If the person is no longer here, then what are you going to do? You're just going to keep on holding it and suffer every day. I thought that was a really good quote. I really did. Um, he had he had some good quotes in, in the um, book. Um, also too, there was a droid (laughs) and Elzar was the one who gifted the droid, the JJ5145. I figured to mention it because I know a lot of people probably like droids and stuff in Star Wars. So the JJ5145 was given to Stellan by Elzar as like a joke. Meaning like he just can't, he needs some, some help, uh, organization in his life and all of that. And Stellan at first wasn't for it, but then he was like, all right, like I could try to, try to utilize you as best way I could. JJ ended up being pretty good, um, helping him. And he was there all the way to the end with Stellan and because he was like, come on, Stellan, we can go, you know, get off of here. But he said, no, we really, I really can't because, you know, I got to stay, stay here with this. It's the only way it's going to, um, you know, uh, it's the only way for the other people to survive on the planet of Aram. And so JJ was 
uh, Stellan gave JJ his lightsaber to give to Elzar. Um, so that way that Elzar and Elzar knows that Stellan had went down with Starlight. And I thought that was, that was sweet. That was real sweet in the end. Um, so yeah, that was the whole, uh, dis- well, my one person discussion, um, uh, you know, <laughs> of a deep dive into the fallen star. Um, I hope, hope it was good. I hope, you know, it intrigued y'all in certain ways, you know, um, as far as like with the characters and everything and where it's going. I will be doing another book review discussion of, there's two, The Midnight Horizon, which I'm still reading. I will be finished with that soon. Um, But the second book, and that's the one with um, Finestra Roth. I don't know why it's escaping me right now. But um, but yeah, I will be doing both of those books as well as the comic book reviews of the High Republic as and the non-High Republic public books. Excuse me. Sorry. Um, And that's about it. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, have a good week. Uh, there will be another audio coming up next week. So stay tuned. All right. This is the way. Peace.